You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Proofpoint finds Transparent Tribe, an active cyber espionage campaign against Indian diplomatic targets. Black Energy's role in the Ukrainian grid hack still isn't fully explained. Pawn Storm spreads to Turkey. Ransomware hits Max, but for now seems brushed aside. Apple collects more friends in the court. And the University of Maryland's Jonathan Katz discusses what we need to know about SSL security in our web browsers. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, March 7th, 2016. Proofpoint finds an active cyber espionage campaign targeting Indian diplomatic and military personnel. Transparent Tribe, as they're calling it, seems most active against Indian missions to Saudi Arabia and Kazakhstan. Several Pakistani IP addresses are said to be involved in the campaign, which uses a mix of phishing and waterhole attacks to distribute the MSIL Crimson Remote Access Trojan. There's no attribution offered in the reports beyond the circumstantial implication of the Pakistani IP addresses. The correlation of black energy espionage malware with December's attacks on the power grid in western Ukraine is well known, but what causation might lie behind that correlation remains obscure. The likeliest link would still appear to be black energy's involvement in credential theft. Max have so far enjoyed a degree of immunity to ransomware. No more. The legitimate BitTorrent application transmission has become enmeshed in what appears to be the first ransomware campaign directed against Mac users. The strain is being called Coranger. Palo Alto Networks reported the attacks to Apple last week, and Apple took quiet steps at week's end to interdict the ransomware. Once those measures were in place, Palo Alto made a more general disclosure. Trend Micro has identified another new form of ransomware, Serbear. They say it speaks English, literally. It repeats, attention, attention, attention. Your documents, photos, databases, and other important files have been encrypted in a robotic female voice. But, anglophone or not, it's being sold as crimeware in the Russian underground. Serbear offers payment instructions in the form of images, which suggests its authors are taking a page from the old Reviton playbook. Trend Lab says Serbear looks easily configurable by criminal users, and thus that we can expect to be seeing more of it in the future. Observers marvel with varying degrees of informed surprise at last week's announcement by U.S. Defense Secretary Ashton Carter that the Americans have offensive cyber weapons and intend to use them, at least against ISIS. 
In DoD descriptions, that use has sounded a lot like jamming, adapted and updated for use against Internet-based command, control, and communications. Some of the worries are of the potential for collateral damage, but the comparisons to and contrasts with the early years of the nuclear age seem overheated. Apple draws more industry support in its dispute with the U.S. FBI over unlocking the San Bernardino jihadist iPhone. As tallied by Apple Press Info, 17 amicus briefs and three letters to the court have been filed in sympathy with Apple's case. And you may have heard that the San Bernardino district attorney weighed in last week on the side of the FBI, expressing his fears that the phone in question contained a lying dormant cyber pathogen designed to infect the county's networks. He's since clarified, Ars Technica reports, that it's a claim unconnected with any particular evidence. The DA would just like to be sure there's nothing to it. From time to time, we like to share new products that catch our eye here at the CyberWire. Packet monitoring can be an important part of protecting a network, but higher speeds and fatter pipes can make long-term storage of packet data impractical. Savius has launched a product called Vigil 2.0, which they tell us allows you to capture suspicious packets from before and after an alert. Jay Batello is Director of Product Marketing at Savius. Vigil knows what is suspicious based on usually systems that customers already have in place. So they have an intrusion detection system or an intrusion prevention system, and they are looking for, for known threats. And what Vigil does is Vigil monitors all of those alert feeds and in addition, it is always capturing packets, so it has storage of packets. So when it sees an alert, then Vigil goes into the buffer, uh, extracts the packets that it's already saved around that conversation, and then continues to save packets for that conversation for the configured period of time. And that's one of the key elements is, you know, not only are we able to do it for a long period of time, but we're able to actually get the packets from before the alert was actually triggered. And that's quite important because there's just a lot of processing delay in these alerts, right? The alerts see something of importance, but by the time that processing is done, the real packets that caused the alert would have already gone by. But with Vigil, we've captured those so that we can go back and and get that important data that was really the data that triggered the alert in the first place. There's more information about Vigil 2.0 at Savius.com. We'll be taking a look back at RSA this week. We'll have three special reports on the conference beginning tomorrow when we discuss what we heard about cyber threat intelligence. This will be followed later in the week with reports on emerging technologies and on trade and investment. In the meantime, see the links in the RSA section of our daily news brief for late-breaking announcements and retrospective takes on the conference. Finally, a hail and farewell to Ray Tomlinson, the godfather of email, who passed away Saturday at the age of 74. Tomlinson implemented the first email program on ARPANET back in 1971, selecting the at sign to separate user from host. Our thanks to him and our condolences to his family and friends. Remember Ray Tomlinson whenever you use the at symbol and think of a life well led. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. 
Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Jonathan Katz joins me once again. He's the professor of computer science at the University of Maryland, and he's the director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. They're one of our academic and research partners. Jonathan, SSL browsing. I think most people, when they see the little lock icon on their browser, uh, they see that and they assume that they're safe. How accurate is that assumption? Well, it's a complicated question, actually. Uh, the protocol itself, at a, at a high level, uh, is pretty secure. It's been cryptographically vetted in various ways. And the, fun, the components of it at a high level are, are by now pretty well understood. Um, the challenge with SSL is that there's this entire ecosystem around it, and there are so many different points at which things could go wrong that, um, it, you know, it, unless you're completely sure about what's being implemented both on your browser as well as what's being implemented on the other end on the server uh, and checking for this lock icon on your computer, uh, you do run the risk that something can go wrong. So let's dig in a little bit on that. What kinds of things can go wrong? Well, just as an example, uh, so the SSL protocol is supposed to ensure that you, the computer user, uh, know for certain that you're speaking to the entity at the other end, let's just say uh, Google. Uh, and the fundamental piece of information that lets you, lets you verify that is an authenticated copy of Google's public key. And so you have this entire public key infrastructure that's developed around making sure that you, the computer user, are able to obtain an authentic copy of Google's public key. And one of the issues with that is that current browsers uh, ship with these um, hard-coded public keys for certification authorities that are supposed to vouch for the validity of other people's public keys, like Google. But in reality, if you look at the set of certification authorities that are included in modern browsers, they include all kinds of companies from all kinds of countries, uh, including outside the U.S., that we know really nothing about. And uh, we don't know anything about their security practices. Uh, we don't know how easy it would be to uh, coerce them or uh, bribe them to issue a fraudulent certificate. And ultimately, if they're able to uh, be subverted in that way, and you end up as the user getting an incorrect copy of Google's public key, then all bets are off, and even the best protocol in the world won't protect you. Obviously, browsing securely is better than not, but how safe should we feel? Well, I think that the um, modern browsers do a reasonably good job. They're very good also about fixing any flaws that are identified by security researchers. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, the user does have to check and make sure that they're accessing a site uh, by HTTPS and not by HTTP. 
Uh, the user, of course, also has to verify that they're accessing the site that they intended. Uh, a lot of phishing scams rely on just changing one character in uh, the name of a well-known website. And then if you're not careful and say you go to a website with uh, G00GLE uh, rather than G00GLE, then you might be accessing a site and authenticating to them and you believe that they're, that they're who they say they are. But in fact, you're not authenticating to Google, you're authenticating to another company. But modular those things, I think overall, um, uh, the average user is safe. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.